Hello, welcome to another episode of Analyzing Mormonism. This is episode 28, and I was able to get together with Jen Camp on her podcast, Our Truth Be Told, and we discussed the history of the Relief Society. I honestly had no idea about half of these things, maybe maybe all of these things, and so this was just fascinating to me, and it made me, like, kind of upset. Uh, anyway, I'll, you'll just have to listen to it. If you want to see, again, if you want to see our beautiful slides and our sources, please go onto her YouTube channel and watch it from there. I hope you guys enjoy this. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Truth Be Told podcast. Um, today, I am excited. It's another live with Julia from Analyzing Mormonism. And this one, I've got to tell you, as uh, Julia was prepping for it and um, sending me all the links and things like that that she was finding as we were both kind of looking into it, into the Release Society, which we were both part of when we were active. Um, as I was, as I kept reading these links that she was sending me, oh, you guys, I, I, I felt like I was to the part of my deconstruction and, you know, reconstruction in a way, um, back, you know, to what felt good, um, within me, um, as far as like spirituality and things like that. Um, but as I was, <laughs> um, finding these new things about the Relief Society that I had no idea about, I, it took me back to that angry place. And I, I've never stayed in that angry place for very long. Um, but this took me back to where I had to like take a walk and like cry a little for the women in the church and get angry at the patriarchy and the leadership and the prophets. And I don't know, it took me to this really bad place for a little bit where it, I just got angry again for a little while. So I'm warning you right now. <laughs> this is a warning that, you know, this might, this might take you to that spot. So, um, just, you know, self-care, um, as you listen and, um, find out new things, new historical truths and facts that we, we, at least me, um, was never aware of, um, as an active believing Mormon. Um, but let me bring on Julia. Um, cause she is the mastermind behind all of the things <laughs> and <laughs> just thank her for being here again today and, Hi. um, bringing all this amazing, um, knowledge and facts for us to, us to learn. And this is going to be a, I don't know. I don't even know how to introduce this one. Cause I'm just kind of <laughs> Uh, at a loss of words, but how are you through this last month prepping for this? Well, so, so I've been a member of my whole life. Like I served a mission, like on my degree in BYU, Idaho. Like I had no idea these things I was sharing with you. Like, I'm glad we have time to prep and like calm down because like, as I yeah. was learning these, I'm like <laughs> texting my girlfriend. I'm like, I'm so mad. Like, this is so hard. Like, like how they treated mm -hmm. these women. Like, and I hear women say in the church, like, oh no, we are treated equally to the men, but like, mm -hmm. If you look at the history, they really aren't at all. And so it's just hard. Anyway, so yeah, that was hard to yeah. do this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's it's hard. But yeah. Okay. So we'll we'll get started. Um yeah, today we're just going back into the history of Release Society. Um, mm -hmm. how it started, you know, 
the history of it. And I guess I don't want to give anything away. So I, I won't say anything more right now, but let's go ahead and I'll just turn it over to Julia and let's bring up the slides here. Okay. So I just want to say right away, this is not an all encompassing history. This is just the things that I felt like were were worth talking about over the next hour. So this is not, don't think this is all comprehensive. There are books written about this mm -hmm. um, that would take me months to read. So like, that's, <laughs> yeah, this is just the, like the highlights. Yes, so. definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the beginning, I feel like I know the beginning pretty well. I feel like we talk about that mm -hmm. in Relief Society and Church. Like, um, so Commissioned by Sarah Granger Kimball, Eliza R. Snow wrote a constitution and bylaws for the Ladies Society to sew clothing for the men working on the Nauvoo Temple. And I I don't know if it's if it, they exist, but I I tried looking for the, this constitution and bylaws because Joseph, when he got it, he said, this is the best I've ever seen. And I was like, yeah. I want to read these because I've never, I I'm not part of a Ladies Society, like other than the Relief Society, I, I guess. And I, I don't know. But I couldn't find anything. So if that if it exists and someone has a link, I'd love to see it. Um, but mm. but Joseph's response was, "These are the best I've seen, but this is not what you want." So that that I don't know. Him saying that just sort of feels like I don't know, like a slap or like a like a slap in the face. I mean, I don't know. They just I don't know. Yeah, yeah. hope yeah. Someone send us a link because I really yeah. want oh, to yeah. see them too. Yes, yes, for sure. <laughs> Okay, so um, March 17th of 1842 was the very first Relief Society meeting. And Joseph, he said, the notes that Eliza R. Snow is taking are your is your constitution and bylaws. So just go off that. So she didn't like rewrite new ones for the Relief Society. It was just the minutes, which the church has kept. She kept those so close and sacred to her. She traveled across the plains with them. She so we still have them all. So like, um, but yeah, I just think that's interesting. I, I would like to know what she originally wrote. Um, as opposed to what we have now, but mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So one thing that I thought was really interesting, um, the church came out with this little booklet called daughters in my kingdom. And I was reading over it a little, I didn't get through the whole thing, but I was reading over it in preparation for this to see if there was anything worth pulling. And I didn't realize this, but Eliza R. Snow says, although the name may be of modern date, the institution is of ancient origin. We are told by our martyred prophet that the same organization existed in the church anciently. But then later in the book, um, the church does admit little is known about a formal organization in the New Testament. And this to me, just I just put this in here because it's it, I think it's reflective of Joseph Smith, where he like he like made everything really big and a big deal. And like it was ancient. He's restoring things. And I just thought that mm -hmm. was interesting that the Relief Society was one of those ancient things. So, yeah. Yeah. And also interesting that it's again another part where we can't find. Yeah, find yeah, we, there's like, we can't find anything we, ancently we that would support that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I just think this is neat. These are I think there was either eighteen or twenty women. I'd have to count them. These are the women present at the Relief Society, and I just thought that was neat. And so if you go to the next slide, I've typed them up. And... It's interesting how how two are crossed out with oh, a yeah. different color pen. That's true. I hadn't really thought about that. I wonder what those women did. We should look into their history. We should. We should, we should see what happened. We should look in and see what happened. Maybe <laughs> they're crossed out for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Ew. Okay. Like okay. So this is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is. A, I typed them all up, and then the ones in italics are ones that they said, "Hey, we want to petition these women to be able to join." And so in the next slide, I've carefully pulled out which ones are Joseph's. Uh, plural wives. 
and when he married them. So like, cause that's another part of um, the Relief Society that was really, really hard for Emma, who was the first president. And just seeing all these women here, I don't know, like they're having to hide it from her. That would just be so hard for me or for Emma. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. whole, the whole thing. All, all of it. Yeah. Um, so this one, I, I feel like I've heard as a member of the church that they were tossing around different ideas for naming the society and they came up with the benevolent society and everyone's like, okay, yeah, that's really good. It's sort of like the other societies of today. And I was like, well, I don't really, I don't, I feel like we need the word relief in the title. And so after discussing it, they decided to come up with the, to name it the female relief society. And another interesting thing is the female didn't drop until eight, the 1860s. Um, I just mm. thought that was interesting. Like, anyway, but yeah. So female relief society. Okay. So this is a quote that I think is probably the, probably the whole focus of this entire podcast. And this is from a, an, an article by Linda King, Linda King Newell. And she says, when Joseph Smith organized the Relief Society on the 17th of March of 1842, he gave the women an autonomy currently unknown in that organization. There is ample evidence that Joseph Smith envisioned the Relief Society as an organization for women parallel to the priesthood hierarchy for men. He instructed the he instructed the sisters to elect their own president, who would then select her counselors. Then he would ordain them to preside over the society, just as the presidency preside over the church. So, like, mm -hmm. this is the whole key thing. The Joseph set the women up, just like the men, and that's that's not how it is today. Like, no, and and the word that kind of jumps out to me on this one is ordained them. Mm -hmm. um, ordained is is what you do when you actually give the priesthood to the person that you are laying your hands on their head. So mm -hmm. he, he not only, I don't know, like, um, made them the leaders of the Relief Society, but actually ordained them. And looking back in, in the history too, he, he, he gave them the keys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. In yeah. that, um, he gave them the keys of, you know, to act, um, with the priesthood, um, mm -hmm. you know, doing healings and blessings and all of the things. So it sounds like to me that when he first set this up, he's, I would agree with this, that he set it up exactly that way to like a women's organization alongside the priesthood organization that would both, you know, rise together and grow together yeah. um, within the church. And yeah. that's how and, I see it. Is that how you see it? Yeah, exactly. And then like, okay. just thinking about how the history was moving, the women were in charge of their own finances. They were in charge of their own mm -hmm. real estate. They were in charge of their own publications. Like they were their own entity. They weren't like, they were partners, I guess. Mm -hmm. They were definitely not an auxiliary. I wouldn't call them an auxiliary at this point in the early church. No. So. Uh, -uh. Yeah, no, were. he set it up as two separate things. They had their, mm -hmm. you know, own autonomy. They were, they were separate yeah. from, yeah. from the church. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. So there's a, there's a debate here of the, this ordained idea and the presiding idea. Uh, so Joseph Smith, uh, this is in the minutes of the Relief Society. Uh, so it's not spelled very well. Um, Joseph Smith proposed <laughs> that the sisters elect a presiding officer to preside over them. And that, that, and let that presiding officer choose two counselors to assist in the duties of her office. So he's calling it an office and he's calling it, he's saying they're presiding, that he would ordain them to preside over the society 
and let them preside just as the presidency preside over the church. So again, there's office. This is an office. They are ordained and they're presiding over just like the president of the church. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And so again, the idea of ordained, not set apart, Joseph Smith stated. So earlier in 1830, um, in DNC 25, or Emma's already ordained. And then Elder mm -hmm. Taylor, whenever she calls her counselors, uh, or Elder Taylor then appointed to ordain the counselor, was then appointed to ordain the counselors. He laid his hands on the head of Mrs. Cleveland and ordained her to be a counselor. And then he laid his hands on the head of Mrs. Whitney and ordained her to be a counselor to Emma, the president of the institution, with all the privileges pertaining to the office. So, mm -hmm. so it's very clear that he's ordaining them. Yeah, I don't know how to yeah. say it any other way. Yeah. And when you look and when you look at all of the history, like we're looking at Relief Society right now and we're looking at what happened when they set them apart and with keys and you find these different things in different wordings or books or journals or different things. And when you look at it all together, there's I don't see any other way you can see it. Right. That there, it was set up isn't. exactly like the priesthood it, within the church and was supposed to be the women and the priesthood. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just like... Anyway, we'll get into yeah. it more. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so this is just reiterating the same things. Uh, Susa Young Gates, who was the daughter of Brigham Young from his 22nd wife, and also she was a women's rights activist, so that's really interesting. She later mm -hmm. emphasized that these women were not only set apart, but, but ordained. And so, like, right now, we just think of, of us getting set apart for our callings. Like, you're set apart for whatever you do, not ordained yeah. with the ability to act in God's name with the priesthood. So, yeah. 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 It's hold yeah, hold tight yeah, to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so again, at the third meeting on 30th of March of 1842, Joseph addressed the women and told them that the society should move according to the ancient priesthood. So he's saying, You guys have the priesthood, you you're gonna move just like we do. Go yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. so in reading Daughters in My Kingdom, I noticed because I knew that already, um, I was looking for looking out for this. But in the official church manual, Daughters of My Kingdom, that was published in 2011, the church tries to remove the idea that these women were ordained with the priesthood at all. It says that mm -hmm. Sister Smith chose Sarah M. Cleveland and Elizabeth Ann Whitney, which is true, as their counselors. Elder Taylor later set apart each counselor by the laying on of hands to act in her office in the presidency, which is not what was written, as we just read from the minutes. He, he mm -hmm. didn't set them apart. He ordained them. Mm -hmm. So. But the church, yeah, really and they were, away. yeah, yeah, and they were ordained at sep separate times, like you know, so it's not like they goofed up what they were writing, you know. Emma was ordained, and then later the other her counselors were ordained, right? And right, given the priesthood, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I didn't read the whole book, um, because there wasn't a whole lot, I feel like anyway, but so I was looking out for this too. These are there's just a bunch of quotes in there that just talk about how they're just making the priesthood just for the men and they're making it, they're just, they're just really pulling apart those two ideas that women have ever had the priesthood because they did, they, they gave blessings. They, they, mm -hmm. one woman raised a man from the dead. And I want to talk about this maybe in our next podcast of just all these experiences. But so they just go on saying the, the, they, they're really excited. was united with men who hold the priesthood. The women work alongside men who hold the priesthood. Now they now serve under the authority of the priesthood. They loved being unified with their priesthood brethren, which I that sentence is kind of funny to me. Like, we're telling you that you loved being unified with your priest brethren. But anyway, there's just a whole bunch of quotes. And in the next slide, too, it's just a bunch of times where the church is just trying to pull apart. Only the men 
have this priesthood. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so on March 1844, by then the membership has um, exceeding exceeded a thousand. So there's a huge growth mm -hmm. from the original 20 or 18 members. And then Joseph at this point has at least 33 wives. So just to put into perspective, like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, so I was looking through the minute books and there's some things that kind of jumped out at me. Um, so when it was, by the time the Relief Society was organized, Joseph had nine wives, which we highlighted at the membership roles. And I'm not sure if Joseph's referring to polygamy in, in these quotes, but like, it makes sense to me, but that's just speculation, but I wanted to read them anyway. So he, in one of the minute books, he says, not war, not jangle, not contradiction, but meekness, love, purity. These are the things that should magnify us. And later he says, sisters, shall there be strife among you? I will not have it. You must repent and get the love of God. And so like, and this one I think is, I don't know. Do you want to read this one? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, let the society teach how to act towards husbands, to treat them with mildness and affection. When a man is born down with trouble, when he is perplexed, if he can meet a smile, not an argument, if he can meet with the mildness, it will calm down his soul and soothe his feelings. When the mind is going to despair, it needs a solace. When you go home, never give a cross word, but let kindness, charity, and love crown your works. Yeah. So in my mm. mind, yeah. Like, um, <laughs> Emma, we know that Emma was really, really struggling with this, this whole concept of polygamy. We know that mm -hmm. she gave the okay at some times because she was present at the resealing with some of the, some of his wives. Yeah. Yeah. The fake sealings. The fake sealings. Yeah. But so <laughs> she's really struggling and I'm wondering if he's not talking mm -hmm. to her. Um, that's just what I'm seeing here or maybe not, maybe even other men's wives who are struggling with the same concept also. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's just the whole I thing. Definitely, I just don't even yeah. like this quote. <laughs> but I, I don't either at all. Um, yeah. yeah. When I, when I actually read this quote, Warren Jeffs pops into my mind. Oh yeah. Like it's the sweet. same. Yeah, yeah. It's the same kind yeah, of wording that sure. he uses to keep the women quiet within yeah. that FLDS sect. So yeah, yeah, it's it's hard for me to to as soon as this polygamy comes up, and we know we know Emma's not in, she doesn't like this. We know what happened, right? Well, we'll get into that in other right. podcasts too. What right. happened? But right. yeah, yeah. For now, we you know there is historical record that she didn't want anything to do with it, and she denied it really mm -hmm. almost her whole life that it did happen. So yeah. Um, so the, yeah, it's hard. I, I don't like this quote either. It reminds me a lot of Warren Jeffs. Yeah, that's a really good, that's a really good comparison. Um, so this one is later. This is in, I think the 1880s was when this, well, we'll see it in the next slide, but I wanted to read this because they're, they're um, speculating on, on this idea of Emma with, with her role in the, the Relief Society. So they say, after this organization at Nauvoo, much disturbance arose among the sisters. I do not wish to be personal, especially as Sister Emma is now dead. But think that some of the circumstances should be known. Sister Emma got severely tried in her mind about the doctrine of plural marriage, and she made use of the position she held to try to pervert the minds of the sisters in relation to that doctrine. She tried to influence my first wife and to oh sorry there's an error and to make her believe the revelation was not correct. Sister Taylor was very much troubled thereat and asked me what it meant. Soon after the prophet Joseph was in my house and I spoke to him in my wife's presence in relation to what Sister Emma had said. 
And Joseph replied, Sister Emma would dethrone Jehovah to accomplish her purpose if she could. Some of you sisters are acquainted with what I refer to and of the prejudice that, that then existed. Like, <laughs> yeah, so she obviously, or it sounds like she took her, she's like, I can, I have a voice as the Relief Society president. I can ask people questions. I wonder if she did interviews too, or like she had some kind of insight in with these women and she was using it to try to figure out who, if Joseph was living polygamy and who these women were. And mm -hmm. I just, that sentence too, that Joseph says uh, she would dethrone Jehovah to, to keep me from living polygamy. I don't know. Yeah. Accomplish her purpose if she could. Yeah. 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 Maybe. Oh my gosh. But do you like, <laughs> I've already read these how many times now? And I'm just like, it's still like, I just am so angry for Emma. Yeah. Like, bless her, her, the entirety. Yeah, this <laughs> because whole thing. what she, yeah, what she had to go through. And yeah. And especially when you, from all the things she says in all the places, you know where her heart was and it wasn't in this. Yeah. And I think that's so. just a harsh, that's such a harsh thing to say. Like she was a good person. Like yeah. looking, oh, studying her, yeah. Yeah. Like studying her life even after Joseph died um, with vitamin, like he, she was so good. And like, yeah. like they're saying, and even Brigham at one point says that he'd have to go down to hell or Joseph would have to go down to hell to get her. And like, he's like, I'm going to do it anyway. Like, <laughs> I don't know, like the, I don't know. <laughs> it's just really hard to learn about her. It is hard to learn about her. And it's it's hard to see like how with all the power that she felt that she had, even though I would still question that power um, because of the situation she was in. But even with all the power or the ability that she could, she tried her best to not comply. <laughs> she yeah. tried her best to like um, say what was in her heart at different times. Um, right. Right. And as we see in the yeah. next slides, like Joseph's saying publicly that he does not live polygamy. He says like, yeah, people accuse me of having seven wives and I only can see one. So she's believing what he's saying to these people. Mm -hmm. So she's like being fooled, I guess, by him lying. I don't know. It's just really hard. Yeah, it yeah. is really hard. Yeah. And then when she's like, when it's like put right in front of her face that, you know, this is happening and all this stuff. I don't know. I just, my heart hurts for her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay. So this one, I, let me give a little bit of background first. So a man came, a man lived uh, in Nauvoo and he was a blacksmith and his name is Orsimus um, or his last name is Orsimus, I think. And he mm -hmm. accused, he wasn't sure that Joseph was living polygamy, but he knew that he had suspicions that Hiram was. And so he published this. And so Joseph's like, well, in response well, I'll have W.W. Phelps write up this thing called Voice of Innocence that says that we do not live polygamy. That's wrong. Uh, we just put down all of these things. Let polygamy, bigamy, fornication, adultery, prostitution be frowned out of the hearts of honest men. So he's like, period, we don't live polygamy. And then if you go to the next slide. So Emma really was like really holding on to this. This Joseph said it again, that we don't live polygamy. So she she made a few changes in it. And then she had it published again in the Nauvoo Neighbor. And she again says um, that John C. Bennett was seemed to be the one that was starting this or had the loudest voice as far as polygamy. And mm -hmm. it says in the article, spiritual wife system, the spiritual wife system is a grand scheme of profligates to seduce women. These aren't, this isn't true. We're not doing it like period. This is just, we aren't. 
And she believes that, or I think she wants to believe that. And so this goes around and this causes a lot of problems for Joseph. And this kind of starts, I guess maybe it's in the next slide. Okay. Yeah. Um, no. Okay. Yeah, maybe it is. Okay. So the Relief Society ended in March of 16, March 16th of 1844. So it really did not last very long. And in that last recorded meeting, the, the church doesn't like to admit, to admit that it ended at all. But there is ample evidence that suggests that it was due to the practice of polygamy. And so, and it's true that three months later, Joseph and Hiram were killed in Carthage. And then three years later, the saints migrated west. So all that's true. Joseph did die. The saints moved. There was a lot happening. But the reason, that's not the reason why it ended. It's, mm -hmm. I think it's polygamy. Like everything seems to point I do too. to Yeah, everything seems to point to that. And just, and just think, this is where like Emma, she set apart um, as the president over all these women, she finds out Joseph is, you know, spiritually sealed or whatever. Um, well, at least that's what, I don't know what she was told or what she knew or didn't know, or maybe that's what she was told at first. And then she found out it wasn't just that. I don't know. But anyways, my speculation for myself is that she went through the whole process of really finding out what was happening and then she had to be in the same room as women that, you know, um, I just, I, and I think it was causing, I don't know if it was causing more trouble or it just, you know, couldn't move past that. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I was just thinking, maybe this won't answer your question, but like the, this doesn't all start in, like there are rumors even before polygamy's put into scripture, even before she's mm -hmm. formally given this instruction right. there are rumors that he's been with other women like there's rumor there's stories that he propositioned her best friend eliza winters there's stories of fanny alger in 1833 which is like yeah. way before the way. way before the doctrine of polygamy so like there's a bunch of stories and she's like so she's been i think she's been struggling this struggling with this since they got married and oh, then yeah. like and then it's like in her face now and then she's been present for some of these ceilings and i'm not sure what she was told either like if we're still struggling as, or if apologists are still struggling with the idea of him, oh no, he didn't actually consummate the marriages. I don't know what she knew. Um, mm -hmm. I, Even I, though there's legal, legal. Um, oh, like the, I don't know. The, like in the written um, like the temple testimonies. Lot. Yeah, the yeah, written yeah, testimonies. The lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah th that they did. Um, yeah. And so, I, 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 don't I would know. assume she knew her husband better than that. And even one of the sisters says, I thought you knew Joseph better than that. Like, as in, yes, mm -hmm. of course, we consummated the marriage. Um, anyway, yeah. but yeah, the whole, yeah, just a lot of struggle just throughout yeah. the whole marriage. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Goodness. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the Relief Society ends. Um, they're all still in Nauvoo, but Brigham Young gives this sort of warning um, and he says, I'm just going to read them because they're, anyway. So on March yeah. 9th of 1845, in the discourse to the high priest quorum, the following was recorded. President Young spoke, Relief Society going to meet up again? I say I will curse every man that lets his wife or daughter meet again until I tell mm -hmm. them. What are Relief Societies for? To relieve us of our best men. They relieved us of Joseph and Hiram. That is what they will lead to. I don't want the advice or counsel of any woman. They will lead us down to hell. So like Isn't that great. That's a great yeah, profit, ladies. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So blaming Joseph, blaming the Religious Society for the death of Joseph and Hiram, that's what it sounds like to me. That, that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. And then on the same day in the evening, in the discourse to the 70s quorum, the following was recorded again from Brigham. When I want the sisters of the wives of the members of this church to get up Relief Society, I will summon them to my aid. But until that time, let them stay at home. And if you see females huddled together, veto their concern. And if they say Joseph started it, tell them it is a damned lie, for I know he never encouraged it. I'm not sure why he's gaslighting us, but like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, and why would he say that when he knows that he was the one that ordained right. the presidency of it? Right, I know. Like I know. that it was a lie. The whole thing was a lie. And then he's telling all the men in this, like, if you see any women bunched together, like just talking, you need to go over and like tell him to go away from each other and yeah. go back home and, you know, cook and clean and stuff like that, which will be in a quote in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But and um, another thing I heard, and I was listening to a podcast from the, is it called the year of polygamy? Um, with yeah. Mm -hmm. Lindsay yeah Hansen Park. Mm -hmm. And she was saying that the women did, they were because of this, these rules that Brigham's laying down for the men to keep an eye on the women, they wouldn't yeah. meet. They would wait until the, the brethren were out of town and then they would get together and meet. So the meetings mm -hmm. were still happening, but like very small and very, um, secretive sort of things. So, which I, I liked hearing that, that the women were still like, no, we were given this by God. Like we were, we've been ordained and set apart. Like, like, mm -hmm. let us try to do what we can, but, mm -hmm. but yeah, Brigham. Yeah. Was, was not a good man. No. Yeah. <laughs> so another thing that I, I had no idea that this was a thing um, until I was doing this research. So 10 years later, Brigham Young, suggested the women start an Indian Relief Society for the indigenous people. And it lasted mm -hmm. from 1854 to 1858. So just like four, four years or so. And its primary purpose was to clothe the indigenous women and children. And which I also think is kind of funny. That is. I don't know. Like he has like 50 something wives and he's like, I need you guys to give shirts to these women and the children. And um, so do you think they were, do you think it's because they were living authentically to their themselves like they're not covered up you know like the indigenous people were not as covered up right. as the the pioneers coming into the valley and it was i don't know he felt like maybe it was not appropriate for them to be living their authentic life and so he wanted the sisters to try and cover them up do you oh, think that that's why well, may maybe partly my my first thought was just that that uh the uh uh, the, when, uh, Oak says that when we dress them, honestly, we become pornography and maybe Brigham, I don't, I have no idea. Um, but we do know that they had, they had their garments and the garments were like the FLDS have, it's like yeah. really high and it's neck, up to the neck ankles, to your ankles. The wrists mm -hmm. and the ankles. Yeah. And so like, of course they weren't, they weren't dressed appropriately in quote unquote, like, quote unquote. Um, yeah, I guess it could be like, oh yeah, you, you're, you're disobeying God's true commandments with modesty or it could be that like um i can't focus when i'm seeing this woman <laughs> without a shirt on right this way yeah okay. it's yeah. either way it's wrong right <laughs> so yeah it's wrong it doesn't like, matter just but... different or just you know i don't know Let yeah but, oh. yeah i just thought that was really interesting and there was a time yeah. they were helping these these indigenous people they had very little and so these this is what it was good but it sort of it sort of turned into a they just came, they, they weren't interested in the church, many of them, and they just came to like 
to get supplies and to kind of go about their day. Um, yeah, I would like to look journey. more. Yeah, I would like to look more into that because yeah. I'm I'm questioning if it was even needed. Oh, like, yeah, really? Yeah. Like, you know, it might, it might very well not have been needed at all. Yeah. 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 Interesting, yeah. though. Interesting that eight, 10 years later, that's what he brought it back for. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so like I said, the women were meeting in smaller cliques. Um, but then again, other smaller and localized relief societies began to operate during the late 50s. They were largely isolated within local wards or congregations. So this is not official. And most of the, the relief societies organized during this time functioned for four years or less and sometimes like on and off discontinuously. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, their female relief society in Bountiful operated for only six months, which I thought was really interesting. And then documentation exists for 25 ward relief societies in the 1850s. So it's not dead, but it's not, it's certainly struggling to be anything like it was before. And mm -hmm. then these, there's a quote that says, these early Utah societies lacked the centralized, centralized leadership organizational, organizational procedures and expanded responsibilities that strengthened and invigorated those, those um, permanently reestablished after 1867, which is when it was reestablished. So yeah, so it's like, there's no, there's no leader. There's, there's nothing there's, yeah, they're just really struggling, but they did exist. So that was, that was good. The church likes to use that as a talking point or like a, I don't know, like a stamp of, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That they can claim the, yeah. How long it's been going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then on December 9th of 1867, Brigham Young formally called the bishops to reestablish the Relief Societies in every ward. He's like, this is, let's just make this an official thing for all the wards to have a Relief Society. And then it begins again, but only at the ward level. It's not a general Relief Society, like with Emma as the president or with like a person as the president. And then he, when reading his quotes with how he's beginning this again, to me, I can just hear him. He just says the women would do a really good job getting donations, getting tithing funds. So like if you meet a person at the door and they're really grouchy, send a sister there instead. So so she'll have better luck. But also, I think he needed the women to like help sew and to help do a lot of the grunt work. Yeah. Um, so I read that, too. Yeah. So yeah. it's like I. Like, I'm glad that it started up again. I just, that doesn't sound like the very, I don't know, the reasoning. Like, yeah, the per the purpose of it, it is different than when yeah, for sure. it was He's, established before. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. I guess that's what I was getting at. Yeah. The purpose is very different. Okay. So the newspaper begins the women's exponent, which we talked about in the last episode together. It begins in 1872 and it runs for 43 years until 1915. So the women have their own their own publication and they have their own voice and like I got to read some of them and they're really cool. And like we said earlier, their, their, their little tagline was um, getting women's rights and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So, so really, really good part of the Relief Society. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, do you want to talk about this? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So the grain storage um, in 1876, president um, Brigham, Brigham Young put sister Emmeline Wells in charge of a grain saving program in which the Relief Society sisters worked together to produce and store grain. In the early 1880s, some of the male priesthood leaders frequently sought to gain control of grain, of the grain program resources and other for other purposes. So, so basically, um, 
the Relief Society, um, I guess I don't started to, um, you know, uh, grow the grain, um, store it. And for like, you know, the last days or whatever purpose, um, famine or things like that, they started this program where um, that's what they were doing. And um, the women were in charge of it. They did everything (laughs) from the beginning, from the very beginning of it. Um, So kind of setting that up for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So in the, so I, so there's a lot of things that happen between the grain storage starting and then you'll see then what I wanted to add. Yeah. yeah. But I wanted to add a few other things that I think were interesting. Um, The, the, the Relief Society members were encouraged to have to gain medical knowledge. Um, So they're in Utah, they're their own entity and Brigham wanted them to be self-sustaining. So he's like, have a silk, like grow your own silk, make silk, have this grain. And he says that we should even maybe even think about getting a hospital and you guys should go and train to be surgeons. And so I thought that was really neat. And so the guy, one of the guys who's, his name is President Smoot. He's encouraging the women. He says, why should not the women of Utah take measures for gaining knowledge of the physical organizations of the human system, especially that of females? So like, we let's have women doctors who n- understand women and know how to help them. And um, that the ladies of our community might receive when necessary medical or surgical treatment for those of their own sex. And he also says, which I thought was really interesting, um, that the endeavor could help the women to assert their right to hold public office, which mm-hmm. with women's rights, like that's, that's really encouraging. Like that, that's just a really good, I don't know. I just, I like that. I support that. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. So later the Relief Society established the desert hospital. They were able to purchase it, turn it into a hospital in 1883, Eliza R. Snow kind of assumes a little bit, I don't know. She says, the approval <laughs> with the approval of the First Presidency, we commenced the hospital as no other woman on earth except Latter-day Saints would have undertaken so gigantic an enterprise, i.e. with nothing. Like, which is really astonishing. Like, that's like they're starting a hospital really from, from nothing, from just what they have, their assets. And then funding from the hospital came from subscriptions for the magazine, donations from primary children, benefit concerts, which I don't ever, I don't, we don't do that as current mm. Relief Society members, but. Right, right. Yeah. But Anyways, just so to, like, re- yeah, just to reiterate what she said, they were given nothing <laughs> and, yeah. and started again. So they're starting again with all of these endeavors. Right. Yeah. And so. During the first few months of the operation of the of the hospital, they were just taking a few clients at a time, and a lot of them wanted they wanted to help them, so they're getting in free, and that's not paying the bills for the hospital. So, so yeah, between twelve to twenty patients per month, which is not very many. Mm-hmm. And then, so in ni- in eighteen ninety four, after only twelve years, the Desert Hospital closed its doors, according to historian Leonard Arrington. The hospital's demise was due to a number of financial factors, such as that most patients were unable to pay for their treatment. So like, it's a really good idea. Try to help these people, our saints, people locally, but it didn't work because they weren't getting any money. So they weren't yeah, getting so. any money and the church wasn't then giving them money. Yeah. They weren't. <laughs> so like, yeah. yeah. So it's just, you know, the women yeah. and they can do what they can do. And of course, being women, when someone came into the hospital, they would help them right. even if they couldn't pay. Right. Which I, which I love. I, I really admire that. Yeah. So. I love that too. Yeah. Um, so this is about the wheat. 
1883, mm. the church leaders wrote the bishops because they're, like we said earlier, the, the priesthood leaders are trying to, to get control over this grain that the women are, are producing and have stored. So the, the, the bishops, uh, the leaders say, the wheat that has been collected by members of the, the Relief Society in the various wards at considerable trouble, and they are the proper custodians thereof and responsible thereof to the parties from whom it has been obtained. No bishop has any right because of authority as a presiding officer in the ward to take possession of the grain. So he's ranking the women. The women are in charge of their own grain. Don't touch it. Do not touch that. And mm -hmm. then it was still the policy in the church in 1896 when Wilfred Woodruff told Zina D. Huntington Young, Eliza R. Snow's successor, so the third president as head of the early sighting, that he says even the president of the church has no right to take a handful of wheat and dispose of it. He says that is 100% yours. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. let's remember that. Here we go. Yeah, just remember that. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> another thing that I thought was really interesting that I thought was worth talking about. So the purpose of the Relief Society in the beginning, it was like, let's sew clothing for the men who are working on the Nauvoo Temple. Mm -hmm. And then Brigham Young's like, I need you guys to help me collect tithing and to just like help just with basic, with general relief of the people in the, in the wards. But then here, Eliza R. Snow is giving kind of a different idea of the purpose of the Relief Society. She says the Relief Society is designed to be self-governing, to be a self-governing organization, to relieve the bishops, as well as relieve the poor, to deal with members and to correct abuses, etc. Which I just thought that was really interesting, like to correct abuses. That's sort of unheard of with the Relief Society functioning today. To me, I think of like abuse of abuse of women, abuse of men, abuse of mm -hmm. children. I don't know. I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah. I find it interesting too. And my mind goes to different places of what that could actually mean. Like what yeah. she was meaning by that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you want to read this one? Sure. In 1901, President Lorenzo Snow Snow outlined the assets, the growth, and the ability of the Relief Society as an autonomous structure. You are the only ones among the saints who are doing anything in a financial way against a day of famine. At this time, the Relief Society raised its own funds and maintained its own real estate. President Snow then listed off what the Relief Society had. 103,783 bushels of grain, along with flour and beans. $3,331, and that it was 30,000 members strong, with a building fund of nearly 5,000 and with upwards of $100,000 worth of property in their possession. President Snow promised the women that if they earned the money, they could buy a building for the Relief Society. President Snow died three months later. Thank you. And if you go to the next one, I, I, I'm just relisting the things that he just listed off, but like, this is what the Relief Society is building to like so much grain, so much money, so much real estate, a lot of members that they're, they're like a mini powerhouse right now. Like they're mm -hmm. like, I don't think of that at all. Like, I don't know. Anyway, I just wanted to put that up and put that into perspective because it's a lot. Yeah. No, it is. It's, it's amazing because when you think of like, you know, the pioneers coming and settling and getting Utah all established. You think of like, everyone's poor. Everyone's like, not, no one has anything, you know, you're helping people that need help and everyone's just kind of making it by. But, you know, a few years into it, a few years later, 
they're, you know, this is what's coming. You know, this is what mm -hmm. the Release Society from nothing, like we yeah. found out, you know, um, that the first presidency said from nothing, they're, they're growing. I mean, look how like pioneers have 103,783, you know, bushels of grain, Yeah, you know, like the hundred thousand dollars in real estate back then, you know, oh, they're, yeah. they're doing amazing. Like these women are incredibly powerful and well, amazing people. Right. And then he had just said, you guys are the only ones doing anything. You guys are, you guys are like, we, we encourage you to do something and you just ran with it. And I don't know what the, I, I'm interested, I'd be interested to see like how the bishops are doing and how the, the other auxiliaries or all, all the other general authorities are doing. But he, he just yeah. said the women are doing better than anybody right now in the church. Yeah. So. And I just want to point out that they're doing better while they're all practice. Well, not all, but some are practicing polygamy. They're all having a bazillion kids That's and trying to run their own families. So very let's like true. give it up for all the women of early. Yeah. I hadn't thought you know, of that. Yeah. <laughs> LDS very, history. Very true. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so then right, we'll so, move on. Yeah. Then. <laughs> Um, so in 1909, so just a few years later, after the, the Relief Society had raised enough money to for the needed headquarters that Joseph or that Lorenzo Snow promised, uh, Joseph F. Smith reversed Elder, President Snow's decision and reassigned the lot intended for the Relief Society to the presiding bishopric. And he required the women to donate their building fund to the presiding bishopric for the bishop's building instead of the long-awaited women's building. The Relief Society was granted the use of a few rooms within the new building to meet at, but as part of this arrangement, the presiding bishopric began supervising Relief Society efforts. So they saved up all this money for the building, and then the prophet's like, actually, we're going to take all that money, we're going to buy our own building, we'll give you two rooms. Like, Yeah, they and not only, and they were already given the lot, like they were yeah. already given the lot by the prophet before. So right. the Relief Society was given the lot as their own <laughs> right. different thing, and um, not only did he ask for their money, their building fund, he took back their lot mm -hmm. and then he built a building for the bishopric right. and then told the women that they could have a couple rooms of the right. money and the land that was already theirs. Right. And then he's like, they're supervising their, their efforts now. Like the, I, I'm seeing a pattern here where one prophet gives the women a lot of, a lot of, a room or i don't know how to say that so like joseph smith says you guys you are ordained you're 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 the presiding autonomy. officer <laughs> yeah yeah autonomy so joseph gives them this Brigham Young takes it away this prophet says you can have this building it's been taken away and then with the grain so, we'll yeah. see that the, the same thing happens with the grain like they one like it's like good prophet bad prophet throughout all of the really study history yeah um, i yeah 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 and it's just like you know, this makes you upset. You just wait. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so in 1913, the the uh, motto charity never faileth became it became their motto, their official motto, um, which is really neat. Just, I mean, who could argue with that? The mm -hmm. Relief Society. So in 1914, the Relief Society magazine replaced the women's exponent and it ran for 46 years until it was discontinued in 1971. Like we talked about last time the church starts having the enzyme and just does away with all the female publications. So, yeah. So all, after all these years, I think it's like nearly a hundred years, they, they end the voice of the women in 1971. So. 
Yeah. yeah, right before the ERA. But right before okay. the ERA, yeah. <laughs> so that was the other in, podcast. Oh, right, right, right. So in 1917, wheat became the symbol for the Relief Society. They're like, we have all this wheat. Like, we're doing mm -hmm. really, really well. And like with Jesus and the the wheat and the tares, or like, I'm sure there was other symbolism, but like, this became mm -hmm. the symbol. Mm -hmm. And then a year later, so World War One happens. It starts in 1914 and it goes until 1918. And in the manual for the Daughters of My Kingdom, it says the we also provided nourishment for thousands during World War One, when the Relief Society sold 200,000 bushels to the to the United States government. But what they're not saying is how that this. happened, right? <laughs> Do you want to read it? Sure. In 1918, the government of the United States of America requested to purchase the Relief Society grain storage to address worldwide grain shortages. Without consulting the Relief Society, the First Presidency and the presiding bishopric sold the Relief Society's entire grain supply, the work of four decades, and placed the funds from that sale in an account controlled by the presiding bishopric, not the Relief Society. Okay, I just want to pause for a second. Yeah. Pause for a second and think of that. Think of that. Think of 40 years of women planting wheat, collecting the wheat, storing the wheat. Um, what they did <laughs> and how much they worked and what that was worth. And it, it was pause it was, for a minute. It was big enough that the president was like, hey, you guys have so much during this time. And we mm -hmm. like it caused them to take notice of them. And so, yeah. 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 So, yeah, the United States of America contacts them to buy their grain storage. Not I mean, contacts the um, first presidency. Um Okay, I'm going to just keep reading and then I'll maybe say a couple words. <laughs> um, Emmeline Wells, okay, Emmeline Wells now serving as the president of the Relief Society. So the president of the Relief Society was understandably upset that Relief Society assets had been sold without her permission. Bishop Charles Nibley apologized, but also changed the policy going forward. The presiding bishopric would have the final say about the Relief Society's grain program and the monies resulting from grain cells. Okay, <laughs> so the bishopric apologizes, doesn't give their money back, doesn't give the grain back, and then changes a policy? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, no, you guys sold something that didn't belong to you, prophet of the LDS church and first presidency, you sold the Relief Society's grain without their knowledge and then kept the money. That's embezzlement. Yeah. But also calling that it is, a policy. Like this is not, this is not a policy. The, the Relief Society no. have, they're their own entity. That's their own money. This is theft. Like it's. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's. Yeah. It's beyond wrong in so many ways. And to this to this day, they place it into history like the Relief Society sold it and and 
it's assumed that the Relief Society got the money when they didn't. Right. And they didn't sell it. And I'm not, and what, what the funny thing is, is these women who did all this work for 40 years probably would have gave the grain to the United States to help the poor if they were asked. Right. They probably would have collectively just gave it out of the goodness of their hearts because that's how their hearts work. Mm-hmm. But no. Yeah, it was I, just, I, that's a really good question. Ugh. Like, why not consult Sister Wells? Like, why not ask her? <gasps> like, hey, they they're wanting your grain. Like, but I guess if you do that, then 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 she's aware, and then the money can go to her. Like, I know that sounds yeah. awful, but like that's I don't know how else to see it. It's like, awful because it, it it's what they did. Yeah, it's yeah. what they did. Yeah, they just pocketed the money, and we're like, actually, we're in charge of you now. Like you, yeah. The way the program was set up is there they had autonomy. They had their own, they were their own identity. They were not they were not hooked in any way to these funds over here. And then all of a sudden, when they've done all the work for 40 years and they have a big supply and they're gonna get a lot of money from the US government, then all of a sudden the men can just come in and just take everything. Yeah. Like, no, no, bye bye. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yes. So, yeah. So to be honest, since, you know, the Relief Society had, you know, never changed, right? We're, we're counting, you know, 150, how many years is it now? The Relief oh, Society? Yeah. yeah. But 100 something. 100. Yeah. Almost 200 maybe. Yeah. yeah. Upper, it's been a long time. I don't know. We need, I should have done that before I started talking. But keep going. But, um, but yeah. So, if the LES church is claiming that it never went away, the society never for 180 years. Yeah. Okay. 180 years. If it, that's what it's claiming, then it has then the original rules, the original ordaining, the original, mm-hmm. everything is intact for that mm-hmm. society. So all of it, all of it from them there forward is they have their own separate thing. So for them to come in, sell the grain, and then put the money in a separate account that's controlled by the men is embezzlement and ridiculous in, yeah. in the highest term, in the highest way. Right. It's a bunch of patriarchy bullshit is what yeah. it is. Perfect words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's my rant for you on that. Yeah. But really. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this one, um, it's not specifically talking about the Relief Society, but I feel like it's there. Here, I'll just read it. So in 1923, President Heber J. Grant told the members, we wish also to have it clearly understood that all auxiliary associations operate under the direct presidency and supervision of stake and word priesthood auxiliaries or authorities who carry the ultimate responsibility for the work of these organizations. So like he's talking about it on, on, Pre, on a local terms, but I really feel like this is this is being spread throughout the whole church. Like the Relief Society is an auxiliary, and you, and you answer to the men. You answer to the priesthood yeah. leaders. So well, of course they do. Like what, the way it's set up now, you have to right. have all your money approved. You have to like go yeah, through turn in your receipts for anything. Yeah, turn in your receipts. Yeah, very set budget. Very small set yeah. budget. Yeah, yeah. very small. Lower that's than not how it was before. The women had. Like, as we saw, like, like hundreds of everything. Yeah. Control of everything. Their own newspaper, everything. Like, 
crazy how amazing they were doing when they were yeah. controlling everything. Like if, if they had not taken away women's abilities, like the Relief Society's abilities, if they were still mm -hmm. remain separate, I think that they would be probably better than the churches right now. Like, I know that's a lot because oh, the church is like for sure. 200 billion, but like, I really feel like the women, they were way ahead back then. So maybe that's not even a stretch. Like the women would have done no. so good. Okay. Yeah. So good. So good. So good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, so in, so in the 1940s, Jay Rubin Clark had written a memorandum of suggestions and he was trying to get He's like, he was suggesting a lot of different things and changes. And he called, he's, he said, let's reduce the relief studies, unnecessary activities and focus more on the central mission, which is building testimonies, strengthening the family and helping the poor. So like, I wonder if he's talking about the women because they had a lot of projects going on. They had, they weren't, they weren't just this spiritual entity. They were, they were really trying to help the world, the help relief of the poor and things like that. But he was like, let's limit you guys to spiritual He's like, let's pull back from the broad agenda and focus more on the welfare. He urged the Relief Society to give up educational work and leave the merely social, cultural, and educational to other community agencies. So stop educating your women. Stop doing that. Let's just like let them go to school if they if they want. And then he said um, that he called upon the Relief Society to assume its rightful, rightful position as the handmaid of the priesthood. So oh, he's, throw he's, up. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, let's just shrink you. I don't know. This whole thing was just, yeah, you're, you're too big. You guys need to be smaller. You guys are losing focus, which is, you can say all this to the mm. church today, maybe. Yeah. Or, the handmaid of the priesthood. That reminds me of DNC 132. It reminds oh, for me of the sure. Tem temple. For sure. It reminds yeah. me of all the things in the LDS church where they had to make women small. Yes, for sure. Yeah. It's, this is a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Handmade of their priesthood. It's no. hard to read these things now. Yeah. It's so hard to read these things now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, so another suggestion that he said is he's like, hey, let's get rid of the magazine and let's just make a centralized, let's just have one magazine for the whole church. And the president, who was Amy Lyman uh, Brown, I think, What's her last name? She's like, no, we are the oldest organization. We have all these things going for us. So let's not let's not get rid of this magazine. Like we have to keep this. And yeah. he was like, okay, I'm gonna back off. I I'm not gonna worry about this right now. So he let them keep that for a little bit longer, or the church let them keep that for a little bit longer, for 30 <laughs> more years. So, but 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 Amy Lyman was just like, anyway, she. I really admire her, and this would have been I do so too. hard. Yeah, to go through. Yeah, I do too. Because that's the last thing. I mean, they, yeah, yeah. All of these years are when they're starting to make, like, squish them back into, like, this role of, like, handmade. They really are. Yeah. Like, they're, they're trying to squish them back into this little role. And the last thing that they have is this magazine where they can publish the voice that they want. Right. Like, you know, they have the ability to get things out to the sisters in this way. I just hate that this happens. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So another thing about Amy Brown, uh, Brown Lyman, um, despite Clark's message, Amy Brown Lyman, the eighth general president said in a speech, I would like to advocate the idea of women becoming more interested in politics and government. So she's like going opposite of what Clark had said, both local mm -hmm. and national. She declared they should not only vote, but also play an active role in the, pol in the political process, helping select candidates and even running for office themselves. So she's really advocating for women. 
in field mm. where they are especially qualified. She included that the Relief Society should be interested in city, county, state, and national administration and finance. So she's like, we want to stay big in industrial problems and in economics and personal health, both mental and physical. So she's like, again, let's keep our education. Let's keep learning in public health mm. and health education and in schools, school programs and recreation and housing. So she's like, no, we want to stay where what we are. We want to we want to mm. have all this. It seems like she's fighting for the autonomy that's being taken away. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Bless her. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is just like little snapshots of different years and just the shrinking of the Relief Society. So in 1944, visiting teachers stop collecting donations and focus instead on ministering the sisters they visit. So like they stop getting money, they stop getting money. And they're just like, let's just focus on ministering. In 1969, mm -hmm. the Relief Society's social service department is incorporated into church welfare and social services. So their, their programs are being taken away from them and put into the, the main church. And then in 1971, despite the efforts of the Relief Society president, the Relief Society magazine was discontinued and it was replaced by the Enzyme. So, so no more funds, no more of your own personal programs, and you can't have your magazine anymore. So they're no just, more voice. No more voice. Yeah. No more nothing to even have autonomy over. So, yeah. Yeah. So hard. Okay. Yeah. Um, so another thing is during all these changes under Harold B. Lee's correlation efforts, where it's like, everyone has the same lessons. Everyone's doing the same thing. Everyone's answers mm -hmm. to the, to the men above you. President Amy Brown Lyman expressed concern. She's like, women aren't, aren't going to want to join. You're stopping all of our programs. You're stopping our magazine. People aren't going to, mm -hmm. no one's going to join this really society. So in response, the church made membership of the early society, automatic for all females in the church, whether they're active or not above the age of 18. Just, mm. yeah, just an yeah. automatic. Yeah. 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 And then, so according to an article in Ordained Women, Ordained Women has done a lot of research. Their website is really good. Mm -hmm. um, in one of their articles, it says, as part of this correlation effort, in 1978, the Relief Society transferred the last of its assets to the First Presidency. 266,000 266,291 bushels of wheat and nearly $2 million in other assets. In exchange, the Relief Society would at last be funded by tithing dollars, saving women from the expense of paying for Relief Society programs with additional money. Mormon women would also cooperate with male priesthood holders in the holistic work of the church throughout the newly established council system. So everything's gone. They, they have no more wheat. They have no more money. They're funded by tithing or by the the ward budget, I guess. So they, and they answered the priesthood leaders. They're not, the presidents don't have as much power anymore. They're least any presidents. So. I know this just makes me want to cry. Yeah. Like, like it I, really does. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you like, or yeah, there's like a mourning. Yeah. Like comes with this, like you, the, oh, the women made such a beautiful and amazing society and it would have, flourish flourished it would have been so amazing and kept growing and it was doing amazing things <laughs> you know recognized yeah. by the united states of america you know to even after what was done to them that they still like press forward and made another 266,291 bushels of yeah. wheat and two million two million dollars and like you know all these things and then for the men to come in again and just be like yeah. nope let's put that over in our account and take all that from you. Yeah. Like all those assets and here, we'll give you a, you know, your release side budget, you $500. You can each have $500 for the rest of time. 
<sighs> each year to spend on your little activities. It's just, I just, <laughs> I just wish that men for just a moment in time could really feel what that would feel like. <laughs> like if, if the women of the church, you guys started your own priesthood thing over there. Let's say you, you know, you grew whatever you wanted to grow. You have all this millions of dollars <laughs> and all these things that we can sell for millions of dollars. And the women just come over and we take it from you because we can, because we told you we could. And for some reason, because of the way, you know, we brought you up, you actually believe that we can. Like, was that, is that okay with any of you? Is that, is that okay? Like, is that okay? How is that okay? Maybe I should ask that. I'm curious, men, how that is okay. I'm curious, leaders of the LDS church, how that is okay when you set it up as a separate entity and then you can just come in and do that. Like, I'm my voice is getting shaky. Like, this is where, like, I had to take a walk. And, like, I, like, my heart hurt and I cried a little bit for the women that came before us because they're freaking amazing. Like these women are amazing. You know, they kept their voice for as long as they could. They, you know, advocated for education. They grew things. They made, you know, this big organization that could help a whole effing country. And, you know, and the men just came in and stole it. They stole it. They, it's not yours. It's not yours. None of it was yours. I, it's, I'm so angry. I'm angry for them because they never had the opportunity to be angry themselves. They were so controlled by the patriarchy and the priesthood in this religion that they like couldn't do anything. They felt they couldn't do anything. And it, oh, I don't know. I just am so, I hurt for them. I hurt for the life that they were not allowed to live. Wow. That was really powerful. Like, like even like, I remember when I first found out that like little things like in 1995, when the Relief Society, when Brigham Young or not Brigham, um, Gordon B. Hinckley read the family proclamation, like he, mm -hmm. They had all their talks ready. Everything was timed. Everything was totally ready for two weeks. Two weeks later, they had conference, and they're like, "We're gonna, we're gonna take over. You guys are gonna change all your talks, and you guys are gonna make your talks support the family proclamation." They didn't ask. They're okay. They just did it. They said, "This is what we're gonna do," and the women were hurt. Like you, you're, you didn't even let us like make any changes, or you weren't, you didn't involve us at all in the making of this document, and you're taking over. But they just have to let it happen. They, they don't. The women in the church are set up to yeah. to not have any say. They can't do anything about it. They these men and that that made me mad. But like hearing this, yeah. where this is like so much bigger on such a bigger level of like taking the grain, you're taking their building, you're taking all of their assets, two million dollars in assets and more. Yeah. The, yeah, there's yeah, that's not okay. And how do you how do you like where does that come from? Like like if, if you say your priesthood comes from Christ, that's not Christ. 
That's not what Jesus would do. That's that's not him at all. It's not how he acted. It's not how he was. It's not how he treated people. It's not any, I can't find any form of what the priesthood and patriarchy has done to the women of the LDS church in any form of Christ. So I just, I, it hurts me because I don't know how, I don't know how to change it. Like it, I think that's where the frustration and the tears come from because you hurt for the way that the women in the past were treated and what was set up to like make us so small. And then, you know, that today, like even myself, like I even was upset at myself for a little bit because, you know, coming out of the LDS church, like I could see, I could look back and I could see it. And then I allowed myself to get into a situation again, post-Mormon, that I felt that same thing was happening to me. And then I had to get out of that situation. And so it's, it's, it's hard because I'm like, I get it. Like I get how they were, like they've been, I say brainwashed, but you can say whatever words you want. Um, they've been brainwashed since they were little that you don't get to take credit for the things that you do. You, at any time, your patriarchal, you know, priesthood leader can, can take anything from you or tell you, you can't do something. And then, and then you come to this point where you're in this post-Mormon space and you're like, how, how do I tell all the women that I love? Like, how can I, how can I show them what's happening so that they don't assign themselves to that anymore? And it's just a, such a hard space because you like know the devastation of leaving the system and like your community and all of that. And then you, but you also know on the other side, what, what they will see and have and um, the expansive love that they'll feel in that space. But it's so, I don't know. It's just, I, and I think I just grieved for the whole process of all of women, no matter wow. where we are in this line of, you know, um, pre, within, post LDS. It's just so hard. It's, it's hard when it's just so, so hard. I don't know. That's all I can say right now. Yeah. But. There's definitely a morning. Like it's almost like a death. Like it's, yeah. it's just really hard. Like and that's, they just sit, like, that's how it is today. Women, or the Relief Society has, it's just a class you attend on Sunday. Like, I don't, like, I wish I'd have done more research on what the Relief Society is doing yeah. now. Like, like, what, like, projects or what good things they're doing now. But they're, I don't, yeah, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what. Yeah. But then you still know that it's, like, ran and checked yeah. And, you know, their talks approved. are gone over yeah. and yeah. approved and everything by the men. It's still mm -hmm. that way. They still have no autonomy. They still have no way to, like, speak their their voice, even when it's hurt. Like, even, you know, yeah, like, you know, how many years ago? What was it? 20 years ago when the family proclamation came out? Mm -hmm. Somewhere around that. Um, <clears throat> even those sisters just 20 years ago. Yeah, we're we're not. It, 
even shown the proclamation. They didn't even know anything about it until it was like two, like you said, two weeks before. And then mm -hmm. they're given it and then they're told to change their talks. And they're like, whoa, whoa, wait, how mm -hmm. come we weren't consulted on the mm -hmm. family proclamation when we're half of this uh, family that you have set on this paper, you know? Yeah. <sighs> Anyways, I can go on and <laughs> on. Yeah, I should just stop because this is where I get into see where I get into my angry part. No, of this. I think like, this is like just, this is what I would call like righteous anger, like like yeah. uh, like the good kind that like can produce yeah. change. Yeah, yeah. I I wish I knew how to move forward with this. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we can figure out a way. But yeah, wait. So if you go if you go back or is it forward? Um. So in okay, yeah. So in 1978, um. The Relief Society became, they had their first General Relief Society meeting. So that's what we have now. That's what we experience. Actually, I don't know how it's set up now because like we did it. The General Relief Society conference was was every, I don't remember how it was set up, but like like two weeks before conference or a month before conference. Um, but now mm -hmm. it's like, now they've changed it. So it's like every other year, I think, or every other session. I don't, I don't know. It's been a minute. Um, yeah. I still watch conference, but I can't remember how they set it up. It was even confusing yeah. when I was active. So anyway, yeah. but then, but I also think this is interesting. So the ERA's original deadline was 1790, or was, excuse me, 1979. 79. And then this is happening uh, the year before. So like, I, I kind of feel like this is a bone. They're like, we're, we don't want you to have rights. We don't want you to have legal rights, but, but we'll give you, we'll, we'll let you have your general relief setting meeting. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, it just sort of seems like it's tied together. I wonder if the talks in the general release society meeting were looked over. Like this is what uh, I'm saying. Like, yeah. you know, well, they always oh, have men presiding the, women. the right. We'll give you the right to talk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll always have a men speak in your sessions. They always, the, they preside yeah. you that know, we can't preside over our own meetings. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so in 1992, despite the release society having been disbanded for 20 years, over 20 years, the sisters celebrated. They're like, "Yay, we've we've hit 150 um, years," and they 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 celebrated by doing service projects in their community, which I guess that's one way to celebrate. But but again, I don't really understand the the like if they're if you're gonna brag to have this relief society that's as old as 1842, you need to you need to maintain that women have autonomy over themselves. They are ordained, but they're mm -hmm. they're not the I don't know what they're celebrating exactly. Like, I don't know how to yeah. say what I'm thinking, but no, I get it though. We yeah. get it. Yeah. Yeah. And then another thing that I thought was interesting is that in 2004, despite having existed as a general relief society since 1978 for 26 years, the relief society and the other young women and general primary presidents participated in the first worldwide training meeting for auxiliaries. So like, that's like, oh, I guess we'll start including you now. Um, that's just what it feels like. Like, it was like a late, late to the game. Like, we've been doing this for over 20 years. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, like, I guess we'll let you come now, all the women. Yeah, you, you can come, I guess. You come yeah. to the leadership training. That's funny that that's only 18 years ago. Oh, gosh, dang. Well, now you think about, like, the women, the first woman praying in general conference is 2013. We just now had our first, the first black woman speaker this year. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. really slow moving. That's wild to me. 18 years ago. Yeah. 
Yeah. I just, it, yeah. I mourn the thought of what it could, what it could have been like, yeah. uh, how far, how much further ahead we would be right now. Well, I think of that, I've been thinking about that image that we showed in our last podcast where it shows all the men and, um, yeah. and then it shows the women and there's like three at the bottom three. or like nine, yeah. I guess, with the different ones. But like, yeah. Another thing that I think is interesting is that like a lot of these leadership on the male side are paid. These women are not, I think they're only paid for like gas. I'm not exactly sure how that works, but I know they're not paid the six figures. Like a lot of the brethren are. And then like yeah, these no. brethren serve till they're the 12 at least. And, and above our ser serve until they're dead. The really study presidents. Now they've regulated it. They used to be a lot longer. Um, some of the sisters served, I think 20 ish years, but now it's like you can serve for five and then you're done. But the church likes to yeah. brag like, Oh, you, the, there's been as many presidents of the relief study as there's been of the church. But like, they serve very temporarily. They have, they're over very little. They can do very little. Like it's just, there's a huge difference with, with both of those. And it's. Don't you feel, don't you feel that like every time they say something where they're, they're bragging, like they're, it's not true. Like, right. Yeah. Like, like there's something that's like, they're undercutting something that yeah. they are hiding. Like mm -hmm. it's just frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I, I've heard a lot of women say like the women are treated equally. We have relief study. They have priesthood. But like, if people say that, just say, do you know the relief studies history? Like we are not mm -hmm. treated equally. We've been mistreated. We've been taken yeah, advantage of. This is not. When you look at those, like the pyramid kind of thing that was in our last podcast, where it's, you know, like the prophet, first presidency, da, 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 da. When you see like that priesthood one, According to how the Relief Society was first established, there should be a whole other stinking yes. pyramid over here of women. This should have its own pyramid, right? Own leaders, and they should be have autonomy for their own money and land and assets and everything. Oh. And so having us, you know, three women down here or six or whatever it is, you know, that are down here in this little section at the very bottom. And then to brag mm -hmm. that you've had as many presidents yeah. as the, the church, like, come on, like, do I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Do they yeah. think we're that, do they think we're that stupid still? Like, I don't know. I, I think they have to understand that, you know, we have Google now. We have Google. It's super easy for us if we want to, to find information. The problem is, is that it's been so hidden and we've been so brainwashed that we don't even look for it. Mm -hmm. But when we do as women, it's horrifying what has been done to the women in the church um, and under this patriarchal system. And yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's really hard. And, and it just makes me so angry when they decide to brag about things yeah. that are so, so off mark, that is just hilarious yeah. that they would even be thinking that's something that they can brag about. Yeah, that's very true. But yeah. Okay. Okay. So again, in the early church, the women had to petition to become members. They had to like pay or do something to join. And then in 1971, the church changed it to have it automatically include. 
And then so in 2009, the church is able to brag, oh, we have 6 million members of the early society. So like, these are just automatic members and you, a lot of these aren't active. Um, I don't know, like, anyway, 6 million. Uh, that's another bragging point. Like, sure, that's a bragging point, but like, it's not really though. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like them bragging that like, that Release Society sold their grain to World War One. Yeah. World War One, you know, when they weren't even contacted about it, you right. know. But the men are, but the men are using it as a bragging point. Yeah, it's not very anyway faith promoting to say we stole all that, all that grain. <laughs> so we stole all the grain, and then we sold it, and then we didn't even give them their money. We right. kept it all for ourselves, even though they were separate identity. Yeah. Okay. So the women in the church today, so according to an article from Ordained Women, which is amazing, um, today women may provide input on church, um, may provide input on church finances as they serve on church councils, but may not make final uh, decisions. Women are always outnumbered by men as a matter of policy and remain excluded from many councils altogether. Women are barred from most LDS finance related callings and assignments, which, which why? Did you see us? Like why? Anyway, such as clerk and auditor, <laughs> In 2015, the church finally admitted women, or rather one greatly outnumbered woman. I saw the picture of her. It's her in the in this huge room of men um, mm. to each of the three high-level priesthood councils from which women had previously been barred. However, women are still absent from the councils on the, on the um, disposition of the tithes and the correlation executive committee. So they're, again, gone for most of these. Um, this is an important oversight given the impact of correlation on Mormon women over history. So correlation really helped to sink well, shrink, I guess, the Relief Society. Um, so yeah, like we were powerhouses. They're not letting us in. We're making very little decisions or like no decisions, just our input. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It, the, the sentence that like hits me the most in this one is where it says women are always outnumbered by men as a matter of policy. Yeah. Like, it's the policy of the church that there has to be more men than women on any of these. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is the last slide and this is just kind of showing again. So they brag that it's the oldest women's organization in the world. It's not really led by women. It's not really like, how old is it? Because it's it, you, there was 20 years where it wasn't around. Um, they brag of 7 million members in over 188 countries and territories, but the, but your memberships just, everyone's automatic. Some of these women don't even know that they're part of the society or I, yeah, anyway, and then the purpose has been changed so many times. The church now says that it's the purpose is for gospel instruction, um, women's familial support and humanitarian aid, and that um, it, it is run by men. I don't know if we can call it a women's organization, in my opinion. Yeah. And, yeah. And they call it an auxiliary. And the word auxiliary means like this is not necessary. This is below. Like, this is less than like and that's mm -hmm. that's what they're calling us that or. I say yes, but like the church, the Relief yeah. Society. So, yeah, the, yeah, the, we were doing so well throughout the history and then it was all taken away. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, just, I feel like a lot of these episodes <laughs> are like, like sad endings, like, oh, I women don't have any are. rights. We still don't have rights. Yeah. Like, women, uh, uh, yeah there's, there's no happy ending <laughs> with these. Like, I know. I know. Please someone help me. Like, what do we do now? Like, how do yeah. we move forward from this? Yeah. Like this, I, yeah, there's just, these episodes are just hitting so hard lately. 
They're just, and we haven't even gotten into the polygamy episodes know, yet. Like, I like, know. <laughs> like, yeah. what is this? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just so hard. It's so hard. And it's so like, I don't know. I guess as I learned about like women in history and have since leaving the church dug more into um, like ancient women um, mm -hmm. that were like empowered and um, healing and leaders and all these things. It's just so hard to see what happened. I like even with women today in the church, um, and I'll say this right now. Um, like I had a moment the other day, um, leaving, and this is kind of a per personal thing, but I feel like sharing it right now, but I had a moment when leaving my family Christmas party. Um, my parents are still active and, um, they served a mission and, and all the things. And, um, I like on the way home cried for my mom and it's, um, cause I just, I feel like her life was not her own, um, because she was trying to be so good like, so like follow the, follow the church, you know, follow the teachings, you know, have all the kids. She had seven, you know, seven of us. And, you know, for the very first time, I'm like asking her like, mom, what did you want to be when you were younger? You know, what was, what did you want to be? And she wanted to be a psychiatrist or psychologist. And, um, like just sitting with her and just, knowing like according to like the church she, she is like a, amazing you know she she gave up everything she had all the kids she took us to church every week um you know made sure we we knew the religion um all these things and then but there was a part of me when i was looking at her and like how even though I love my dad, there's like a still a patriarchy control there of like telling her when to speak and when not to speak or like shutting down something she'll say or like, I don't know that it's just like, I, I mourned for her, <laughs> like her being, you know, 80 that she didn't get to like live like she didn't make, get to make choices for herself and what she wanted to be and um what she wanted to do like even after all her kids were gone she just you know she had a part-time job and then came home and you know cooked for my dad and cleaned and you know was there for all her kids and she was an amazing mom but it's there's just something in me now that I did. I like cried for her. <laughs> I cried for her on the way home and it was just hard. It was just hard because I wish that there was some way I could give her back those years that she should have had.
And I, it makes me angry at a church that is false that took it away from her. So anyway, so I think that why that this all hit me. Yeah. Like that's the, that's the church's, that's their pivotal idea for a woman. Like you sacrifice yourself for your husband, your children, for God, like get rid of you and become something else, something that we want you to be. And that's really, Mm -hmm. really hard. Yeah, it's really, really hard. And it's really, really hard when you know it was just a patriarchal pile of bullshit that (sighs) caused all this, these women, like all of this harm and struggles and um, took away, you know, their life, (laughs) the part of their life that they should have had. So there's, um, that's when it starts to, like when we get into this history and we see all this and we see what was really happening when you look at all sides of things and, you know, what was going on with polygamy and, and everything in the mix of everything. And, and then you have a moment of like hope where there's this, you know, release society made that, you know, has a priesthood and the keys and they're, they're building in like this lovely society and things and, growing and getting money, their own money and land and assets and everything. And then the men come in and they, I think, take it all away again. And it's just like, you you get to a point where you're like, enough, like enough, stay in your effing lane, men of the church, you know, like, okay, go do your thing, you know, go do the priesthood, whatever, you know, change change it to be a good religion. Do it. I I love you for it. You know, go change the things that need to be changed to make this a religion that makes women, you know, empowers them and all the things. Go do mm-hmm. that and apologize for the things that you've done wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and and do better because you've taken away a lot <laughs> from a lot of women. And it's not okay anymore. And I know that you know presidency of the church. And I want you to give it back. I do. I Like, I want you to separate the Relief Society from your church again. This is what I want. This is from Jen. This is the Jen want, presidency of the church. I want you to separate the Relief Society. Give them back all the things you took away from them. All the keys. I want you to give them back their autonomy. I want you to give them back their land or land that was the same. And I want you to give them back their money. And I want you to give it back with interest, not just the money that you took, but with interest. And I want an apology. Yes, Mr. Oaks, I would like an apology from the first presidency to the women of the Relief Society. And I want it written. I want it signed by the first presidency. That's what I would like. That's a first step. That's a first step. And then hopefully we can, you know, that's a step on the right path. But how could you not, like, how, how could you not expect at least that? Because that's theirs. That's theirs. That's what they did. Well, and this, so. this church claims to be led by God. And like we were, you mentioned earlier, like, like in viewing this history, I don't see Christ Christ wouldn't do this. Like he, he had, I mean, from the new Testament, he had women with him. He had, he treated them just the same. Like I can't imagine Christ doing what the church has done. Like 
yeah, it just doesn't seem like Christ is here or Christ is there in the church. And yeah, I, it would be if everything, if the church did everything you just said, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine what that would look like and how, how that would look going forward. Like, yeah, me. And I remember one of my very first podcasts was with Laura Randall and we were talking about this and she's like, she's like, I don't know what they could do. They could do this and they could do that. You know, she gave a few suggestions and I'm like, yeah, Laura, I hope that they do those things. I agree with you. I hope they do those things. But then like looking back at church history, that they did it. Like that's how it was set up in the beginning. And if they would have just left it the way it was set up and let the women run their own thing. Wow. What it would be today. That's all I'm going to say. It would be world renowned amazingness (laughs) because most of the church is built on those same women, which is why they have a lot of what they do have. Well, and and then like how patriarchal systems run, it's very different than how a matriarchal system runs. People just imagine that it's, you just switch the genders out, but that's not how matriarchal systems usually run. Like women, like the church brags about the church, causes like our biological tendencies, like our Mm -hmm. desire to care or our desire to take care of people or to be like more aware of, of people. Yeah. The the church or the society itself would look so different than what the church is doing now. Like the church is, the church just bought up this huge building like this week. Like, I don't know why, like, I don't know, but like the church, the, if the women were, had their own entity, it would look so different than what the church yeah, yeah. And that's what I was saying. That's what I was saying earlier with, you, you know, with the grain thing, you mm-hmm. know what, if the United States really would have came in and asked the Relief Society, if they yeah. wanted to like give their grain to the, or sell their grain, they probably, that's what I'm saying. Like the Relief Society sisters probably would have been right, like, like, oh, just take it. Like that's yeah, why yeah. we did it. You mm-hmm. don't take it fine. You know, no, don't pay for it. Just give it to the people that need it. We're fine. We'll, we'll build another 226,000 or whatever, you know, bushels they had it a few years later, you know, like they probably would have just gave it to them. But Mm -hmm. like, it's like, that's what I'm saying too, is that they wouldn't be making malls. They wouldn't be making malls and buying ground in Florida and like, um, buying real estate or buying like, um, I don't know, places in different countries or like hotels in Hawaii yeah. or like all of these things. They Stocks wouldn't be in doing Victoria's that Secret. if they had, yeah, if they had $500 billion or trillion, whatever much they have now, trillion dollars, like they, number one, they would never, ever have that much money because they would give it away. Oh yeah. Like there would be, they would yeah. be giving it away. They would actually be helping the world and they wouldn't be doing it at like 0.03% or whatever it is that the church actually gives. If you don't count the tithing that the people are giving, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know. And I don't know. I wish that I had a magic wand to just open all of their eyes mm-hmm. and we could take it back in the presidency if they would split that and they would have it as its own identity, like I would even join it as a post-Mormon because I oh, think yeah. it would do amazing things. I think it would do amazing things. And, and I, I wa- yeah. Well, I just want to say too, like, um, this is not, 
whatever, everything you just said, that's not made up. Like women, this yeah. studies have been done on businesses with women leadership and those, those businesses statistically do way better than just all male board. Like, and I, the church, even just having more women involved or having the women more involved than they are, it, it, that alone would just look different. Like even, even if you didn't have our own entity, if you just listened to us, like the family proclamation would look different. These things would look different. Yes. If you just listen, yes. even just that period, but then giving yeah. us that a whole entity back would be a world's different than what it is yeah. today. Yeah. Like two different, two different things. And then we come together and we make important decisions together. Like you're supposed to. Yeah. Like, like, any oh i don't know Julia. yeah but we're the we're the handmaid <laughs> we're the, the women are less than it's so hard it's so hard yeah 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 well this unfortunately is the end of what we have to say about this um historical truth claim um but i still i still give my suggestion to the first presidency and I wish that they could see the love and forgiveness and the Christ-like way that would be if they would choose to do that and what that what just that one act would say to the women of the church it would be more than anything I think that they could do. So, yeah. um, thank you, Julia. Thank you for, um, thank you for all of this, all of the slides, all the studying, like just like putting your whole heart into these things. I really, really appreciate it. And, um, the, I know the listeners appreciate it. And I think that you're making, like great steps <laughs> and like little you you simplify it really well so that we can all understand it and be able to really respond um with knowledge and things to back things up when we're talking to other women and people within the church so i really wanted to thank you for everything that you're doing you're oh, amazing I, I love doing this this is i wish i could get paid to just study the church so <laughs> Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I hope one day you will. I hope one day oh, you yeah. will. I and I hope that. one day. Yeah. So in the notes of the podcast, you guys can um, find ways to support Julia and analyzing Mormonism and um, kind of, you know, pay it forward for her. So um, as soon as uh, my podcast, as soon as our truth be told is monetized, I will for sure be paying Julia. Um, until then, she does all of this out of the kindness of her heart. And so I just want to shout her out. Um, so please, if you can, send her a little um, something. And we will see you next month. The last Tuesday of every month is with Julia. So we will announce um, what we'll be talking about next month soon. So watch for that. And we will see you guys next Tuesday. Bye, everybody. Thanks for being here. <laughs>